Good to see another brother around here. <sighs> yes, of course it is. <laughs> Something wrong? There you are. <laughs> Something with this. Yes, yes. Oh, hello. I'm Philomena, and uh, and you are Chris, Rose's boyfriend. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. That's nice. Um, Logan, I I hate to tear you away, dear, but the Wincots were asking about you. <sighs> well, it was nice to meet you, Chris. Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And this is episode six for the week of February the 23rd, 2017. What's up, guys? I'm in pain. (laughs) (laughs) I have something messed up in my back, so if you hear someone scream during this, it's me taking a deep breath. I don't recall what show I was watching this week, but there was a joke where a kid asked his dad, how do you know when you get old? And the dad just looked at him and said, when you sneeze and really mess up your back. Well, I don't think I did it sneezing. I think it was even worse. I think I did it sleeping. Oh, that's the worst. And here I'm fighting a cold thinking I've got it bad. And Matt's over there <laughs> leaning to the side and taking shallow breaths. And, you know, yeah. it doesn't hurt as bad as when I broke my ribs, but uh, it hurts pretty bad. Nice. Uh, so we're, we're fighting through it this week, right? We are. All right. So, Adam, what's been happening, man? You are, are, you are the resident news and notes, and uh, what's been happening in the week of film? Well, let's just go to what's happening today, because Matt Reeves was off of the Batman after we reported last week he was probably on, and that changed late this afternoon. He's now officially directing the Batman. I think a lot of this was just negotiation. DC is desperate. He played hard to get, but more importantly, some scores came out for War of the Planet of the Apes, his new movie, and it tested through the roof. The audience that saw it all rated it higher than any of the other current Planet of the Apes movies, so he had a lot of leverage. Nice. Well, I had to laugh because our show notes, which you've done just like yesterday, say, Matt Reeves not directing the Batman, (laughs) and then today at 3 o'clock, now he is directing the Batman. Yep, they backed those money trucks right up to his house, and the price was right, I guess. So Matt Reeves, and we we hit this a little bit last week. He he can he save the Batman, or does it need saving? My bigger question is, what kind of creative control does he get? He now is directing it, but I don't know where the script is at. There's been a few scripts. I don't know if he took the job with the promise that he could control it, rewrite it, or he's just going on what they've already done. So I want to know that before I ruled either way on it. Wow. What do you think, Matt? What do you think about Matt Reeves as? The- the director of the Batman. Um, I, I mean, I will reserve any judgment until I see it. But I do have to say that they need to depart from the path that they've been heading with this 
DC universe that they're trying to build because uh well I mean I guess it still hits at the box office but I'm just I'm I'm just nervous about it so, that's it so I want to throw and this this isn't in the show notes but I was thinking about this this week as to why the DC movies are not working as opposed to the Marvel movies and we could say you know one person leading them one person directing them but I got to thinking about the bigger picture with these movies. With with Marvel, you have <clears throat> kind of like Captain America, the all that is good and right and moral, or, or you know, just kind of like the this this side of superhero. And then you have this other side, the little darker side or whatever of Iron Man or different ones, and they contrast and play so well together, right? And it works. And you should have that automatically with DC. You should have Superman, all that stands for good and what is right and wholesome and and America. And then Batman, which is dark and brooding. And, you know, you should have this natural, you know, um, tension between the two of them. But it's like, you know, Snyder has decided to make Superman into a Batman-like character. It's brooding and... He got the characters wrong. That's what everyone keeps saying. He may not fundamentally understand these characters. You had a Superman that was moping like a teenager in Hot Topic. Exactly. And you have a Batman literally killing people in the movie. You know, and... and, and Off screen, but still, just, you know, trucks are exploding with people in them. And, you know, maybe if they would just get the characters right. There's a reason they work so well in the comic books, you know? And I don't know. I just, you know, am I going to go see them? Yes, I'll go see them because it'll be Thursday night and our Thursday night group will go see them when they come out, you know. But I, I got to say, I'm not really, I don't have any woohoo for the the next movies. Even the next, the next the Justice League or any of them, I'm not really all that stoked to see them. You know, I'll be like, well, if, if you know, I've I've been too many times and been disappointed. You know, what's going to get me excited about the Batman is the villain casting because this is an older established Batman. Most of the rogues are already in Arkham. This movie has been rumored to be about a big breakout or maybe even Batman getting stuck in Arkham itself. So we're going to get a lot of famous villains, but new interpretations of them. So I'm, I really want to see the casting. There's some big names, you know, jumping into these roles that I could be excited about, but we don't know anything yet. But that's news that'll actually get me excited about the movie. Yeah, I can see that totally. I mean, Batman has the best villains in comics, hands yeah. down. Yeah, and I love the whole. Yeah. Ar- I love the whole Arkham deal, and and the the. the it's just the hand-to-hand combat and the fighting, and it's just great. I love the I love the stories and stuff. So, the potential's there for a great, great movies. You know. Uh, we'll just have to see we'll have to see where it goes. We also have some other news happening. What else is happening this week, Adam? Han Solo is officially filming the second Star Wars story, standalone. It's lensing now, and there's a new Chewbacca. And? It's coming out in May of Thoughts? 2018. Reaction? What do you mean by new Chewbacca? The stunt Chewbacca from Force Awakens has right. now taken over full-time. Peter Mayhew is not in the movie. I can see that. I mean... They shared the role in Force Awakens. Yeah, I knew they. That's why I was asking because I knew that Mayhew didn't do everything in Force Awakens. So, so guys, what do you think? What's your reaction when you hear that a Han Solo movie is now filming? I'm pumped. They, they did a good job on Rogue One. This is a story we've never seen. I think the casting's been good. See, I guess this is. I mean, now it's you know I know it's Lucas Films, but now it's controlled by Disney, and Marvel has its own thing, and it's kind of. Under that Disney banner, and unlike DC, 
I'm excited because I don't think they're going to let this thing come out unless they're happy with it. And if they're happy with a Han Solo story, likely I'm going to be happy with a Han Solo story. I, I tell you, I, every time I, I, I tell myself I won't get excited, and then I see these clips and these these little snapshots, and I'm my heart, I'm like seven year old kid again. I'm all excited, you know. We're going to get a Han Solo movie. How cool is that? And it's coming from Lord Miller, the guys behind Twenty One Jump Street and Lego Movie. And this is their favorite character. And backing them up is the Star Wars Story Group, which has not done us any wrong since they took over during the Lucasfilm sale. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm very excited about Han Solo. And uh, speaking of Star well, Wars, go well, ahead. Wait, wait, wait. This is important because we now have a release date. So it's March 2018. That means we're getting two Star Wars movies within six months. We're getting Episode Eight. Oh yes. And then in May, Han Solo. But... Avengers is also coming out that month, and this really surprises me that Disney would pit their two biggest titans against each other in the same month because they're going to cannibalize each other's sales. I, you want that, that? That's not going to remain that way. There's no way. I wonder if they're just doing it to say, "Look, I, everybody else out of May," and then they'll move Han Solo or Avengers. One of the two. They out. just announced Han Solo. I have the feeling Avengers is moving up. I don't have any specific intel, or I haven't read anything, but. <coughs> It's not going to shock me if they announce that we're getting Avengers in March. I have no problem with a May first week of May Avengers, sec, last week of May Star Wars. I don't think I, I can't even see an affecting box office. I'm going to go pay and see both of them. Who's not going to go and see both of those? But Star Wars has been running in December since they got it, and there's no competition after it comes out, and then there's no competition in January. It's had these really long legs and huge box office. That's what they're losing in the summer. Is all the competition. So, so let me ask this question then. So let's say Avengers is completely off the picture. Does the Han Solo movie have the same uh, legs? Will it have the same legs? Not as a saga film. I don't think it's going to do what episode eight's okay. going to do. The saga films are all uncharted territory. We're excited because we don't know that much yet about Ray, Finn, and the rest, and Kylo. Yeah. Listen, I j here's what I want. I want this Han Solo film to be awesome. I want Disney to be super pumped about making these one-off films or not in the the straight linear of Star Wars, right? Like Rogue One and the Han Solo movie. Why? Because I personally want to see a three-part movie with Ewan McGregor reprising his role as an older Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, I'm just, that would be the icing on the cake for me. And that's going to lead into our next story is that Star Wars Celebration happens in April, coming up oh, very yeah. soon. The first panel announced is the 40th year celebration. Kathleen Kennedy and special guests. We don't know who the special guests are. There's actually been an interesting debate is how George Lucas would be received at this point if he came out. It's a big anniversary being 40 years and all. How is the crowd going to react to him? And how is he going to react to just being back in the spotlight? If he's there, we don't know anything. Well, I, I think if you're Disney and you want to bring George Lucas back, you do it at the very end as you're almost winding up the show as a surprise to everybody. You bring George Lucas back and give him like three minutes. If you bring George Lucas back at the beginning, you're just asking for trouble. Don't put him on a panel for an hour where there's going to be questions asked to him. That's just my thought in the matter. I think if he comes out at the end, big applause, woohoo, you know, the guy who gave us Star Wars, yeah, yeah, you know. But I would never, I would never in a million years bring him out at the beginning of a panel where he sits there for an hour. 
That's just recipe for disaster. And in my opinion, the bad blood goes both ways. Fans are mad at him for the prequels, and he's mad at fans for the reception of the prequels. Because when you look at the special editions and things he's changed, it seems like he's trolling us. Because when people complained about the R2 scene where there's some rocks in front of R2, it got changed again where there's more rocks. People hated the Darth Vader, no, scream, and he puts it in Return of the Jedi. So he takes these hated things and expands on them. It just seems like trolling. And that's why I feel the bad blood is going both ways. And, yeah. and maybe we can get past it. We just need some time to heal. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. But we could get some movie announcements, maybe at, at uh, Star Wars Celebration. I think there has to be movie announcements. Han Solo is filming now. The next up will be Episode Nine. We'll need to get filming that. And that's it. That's the announced yeah. slate. So... There's the rumored Obi-Wan trilogy. They could do something Old Republic. We could get episodes 10 through 12. I think they're going to have to there announce are, something. There are so many great storylines. I would love to see a trilogy on the formation of the Sith. How they came, that If you read those, I read the first two books. They're, they're escaping me right now on how the Sith came into being, how the first Sith rose to power and killed his master, and there can be only one kind of deal. Oh. Talk about a great story that would make an awesome movie. I'm just hoping that this this celebration turns out to be like the Comic-Con where Marvel came out and said, guess what, people? We're doing this. And just flooded it and said, we're going to do all these Captain Americas. We're doing event. I mean, you know, it was like, oh, my goodness, this is really happening. And I think it's a perfect time for it because Marvel's winding down. Yeah. Right, yeah. and you, yeah. you can't lose sight of the fact that these two properties are currently owned by Disney, and they're building Di- Star Wars Land at both play- and parks. They've got to build big and build a big, bright future of Star Wars movies. You know, oh, trust me, the Star Wars Land has not gone unnoticed in my house. <laughs> right, I of all the gentlemen that do podcasts, uh, I have the youngest child. He's probably too young right now to appreciate Disney World. Um, but, uh, that's on the radar and, uh, we may have already begun to save up to take that trip and do it right. So, oh yeah. Did any of you read about the fate of Jar Jar Binks this week? <laughs> Are you talking about the, the movie poster? No, no, no. The book, the newest canon book. No. Came out. So I saw that there were spoilers. I want to give you my reaction before you say anything about it. Um, here's how much I care about Jar Jar Binks. I read that, hey, here's the fate of Jar Jar Binks, and went, huh, awesome, and clicked the page over. I didn't read. I didn't care. I detest Jar Jar Binks. All right, so I'm going to spoil this. I don't think there's any Jar Jar fans out there that are going to get upset that this gets spoiled. Tough if you are. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. <laughs> we on, don't this, care. on this spoiler, we don't You care. deserve it if you're a fan of Jar Jar Binks. So in the newest book, and this is all canon now to the story, Jar Jar is a broke clown performing on Naboo in a town square just for children. Children are the only one that like him in the scene, and they're giving him some money, but that's it. He's destitute, and he's just a a joke. Okay. Now that I've heard that, that may have been a little much. (laughs) (laughs) That may may have been a little much to do that to Jar Jar Banks, and I hate his character. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, you know Jar Jar voted to create the Empire, right? Yes. I, I I do know that he voted to create the Empire, but so did a lot of other people. 
Well, I, I thought you might have been referring to the, the, the movie poster that's been trolling Facebook and the Internet where it says Star Wars The Last Jedi, and it's got, it's got Jar Jar in a Darth Vader outfit <laughs> standing solo. Have you seen the poster? Yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> but this means officially we're not getting Jar Jar in any of these movies. We didn't think we were, but this is just oh, where he is in the universe. Thank goodness. But that is kind of cruel. It's his original purpose. He was put in for the kids in the movies. Well, he's found his fulfillment then. Yeah, he didn't have to doing. make him destitute like a panhandler at the corner, like trying to entertain people. At least let him have like be in a theater that performs for children and not have him be destitute. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. Oh, man. <coughs> so I think that wraps up our news and notes. Yep, absolutely. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Film Goodery Podcast. Uh, and now, uh, if you've listened at all, you know that we have a group of friends and we go out and see a m- new movie on Thursday nights. And tonight, uh, we got to go see Get Out. Uh, if you're not familiar, uh, it is a new horror film um, by Jordan Peele. If that name sounds familiar, it's because he's half of Key and Peele. <laughs> what used to be Key and Peele. Yes, what used to be Key and Peele. Um, but up to this point, known more for comedy than horror. Not known more for. Known for comedy, not for horror. Right off the bat, this is a horror movie. It has funny elements, but it is not a comedy. No. Um, the, uh, the actors in it, um, Daniel, I will butcher his last name, Kaluuya, that's close enough. I apologize to you if that's... Not how you pronounce it. Uh, Catherine Keener, Allison Williams, and Bradley Whitford. And uh, Stephen Root. So, um, a good cast. Um, And it was a genuine horror movie. Adam is our um, horror nut buff, if you will. Psycho. Well, I don't know about psycho, but... Adam, what was your initial take on the movie? Don't give away too much. Oh, no, no, no. Let's We get in trouble for that. Yeah, the setup is that this is sort of a horror movie version of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. This is a young African-American guy going home with his white girlfriend to her family in upstate New York, I'm guessing. I don't think they were specific in the movie. Yeah, no, they weren't. And, you know, he, he's trying to fit in, see how things go with the folks. And that's already an awkward situation, meeting family, meeting neighbors, and this movie takes it to a whole another level. You'll see it in the trailer. There's something going on here. The other black people in the movie are acting funny. They're dressing funny. They're communicating funny. Tears just run down their face sometimes when they're talking. So there's a lot going on. It's a fun popcorn horror movie. That's what I'd label this as. Yeah. And I would say the, the crowd we went and saw with tonight wasn't big. I mean, it was decent size, but we're not talking sold out theater. But it was a good crowd. And that's why you go on Thursday or Friday nights for horror movies. That's the crowd, the initial rush. 
it's fun to see it with them because they're laughing, they're ooing and aahing. When there's something graphic unseen happening, they're cringing. You hear the whole theater. It's sort of a communal event. And that's what I really dig about some of these more mainstream horror movies. Yeah, the uh, Roger, I know you don't like horror movies. <laughs> what, what did you think? Well, um, I'm discovering something about myself. There is a brand of horror movies I might actually like. And it's this kind of movie. Um, there, I thought this movie was very funny at times. I mean, had some good comedic, and it's like you need that comedy to, for me at least. I mean, just to let you know, when when I saw the theater and Adam went to the top row, which thank God he did, I wanted the seat on the edge by the handrail, so I had something to grab if I needed to and look away because I really don't like horror movies. I mean, especially when they just when they get really dark and gruesome and gory, I just have to just. I got to turn away kind of deal. But I never had to do this. There was a couple really jump scenes kind of deal that just got me and my heart was racing. But uh, I liked the movie a lot. I really enjoyed the movie. I laughed with the crowd and I um, uh, thought it was very good. I, I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it fell into a lot of like tropes or whatever. No, it's fairly unique. It doesn't really. You wouldn't say this is just like this movie or compared to anything else. It's it stands alone. What and I what I liked about it was how the lead character was it Daniel is that his name the lead character Chris in the movie Chris, Daniel in real his life. name yeah. was Chris the Chris was his character name. He played it. He didn't. It wasn't like he was acting. He was just. It was. It would be exactly like if you know a mixed couple goes back to upper crust society you know and he's just trying to be cool he's trying to get along and be cool with everybody but without giving anything away the longer he's there the more weirded out he's getting about the people yeah and i mean and i know what roger says about uh the guy that plays chris he does i think he does a great job um for those that have seen the trailer you may have seen what he's been in in the past I've been a big fan of his. He was in he's so he's an English actor, uh, but he was in Skins. He was in the Black Mirror, um, specifically the episode Fifteen Million Merits. Um, he was in Psychoville, and he was also in the Fades, and any number of those I've watched a lot. I really like the Fades. I really like his episode of the Black Mirror. Yeah, and it's it's amazing he's English. He does a really good American accent. I, yeah, this movie. I never I, doubted it. I never would have guessed he... I mean, now it kind of makes sense that he's such a good actor because he's British or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I I thought he was great, and I thought he played the character great. And I got to tell you, his buddy, though, stole the show on the comedy. His, his friend, who was the TSA agent, that's all I'm going to say. I, he's I, the comedic relief. Oh my gosh, he is the when your heart's pounding and you need some comic relief. That's when he just happens to call, you know. Well, and he's also that guy that you watch horror films with. I told you not to go in there. You shouldn't go up and do that. He's your conscience, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, I he's mean, the voice much. of the voice of reason. And that's something that really works in this movie is that all the performances feel pretty natural. I think he had a lot of chemistry with Allison Williams as his girlfriend. I bought into them as a couple, right? Totally away. bought into them, yeah. And his best Good buddy. Chemistry. That's that's buddy chemistry right there. Yep. Good friends. I mean, it's very natural performances, and it's good for a horror movie. You don't usually expect that kind of character building. No, I I mean I thought it was really good. Um, currently, right now, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's sitting at a hundred percent. Still, as we're making this podcast, 
And that's worthy. I mean, I, I think it's a really good movie. Yeah, and at Sundance, pardon the pun, it, it killed at Sundance. I mean, the really good buzz came out of there. And and, and I, I apologize for my ignorance here, but I'm not really familiar with Jordan Peele at all. But, man, this guy can direct. I'm telling you. I mean, I don't have to be a horror fan t- to see pacing, use of camera, how, how he would hold the camera in certain ways on objects to draw your attention to them. Um, wow. I mean, I, I want to see other things this guy's directed, I guess. This is his first movie. Is this first movie? Is, is this first direct- And beyond directing, he wrote it as well. Great. So I, you're I, talking a, a guy. I will be, uh, yeah, I will be the guy who lines up to see the next Jordan Peele movie. Yeah, I mean, because this is a pretty big departure from what he's done in the past. Yeah, and I, I point people towards Key and Peele because it ran for three seasons, I think, maybe a little bit longer. It's really smart sketch comedy. They'll go in one direction and then subvert it. No, it, it's it's great. I normally don't even like sketch comedy, but I really enjoy Key and Peele. And I'll be honest, I enjoyed Keanu. I with, did not like Keanu. Yeah, that I, was their first sort of movie after they were done with the show. I, I'm I'm partial to it. I don't know what to tell you. I think it's ridiculous and funny. Um, and I enjoyed watching it. I'm not saying it's a great movie. I enjoyed watching it. Um, but this this is on a whole other level than that. Yeah, I, th- it's if this is what he does with his first directorial, you know, shot at it, I, I'm excited to see what else he does. I... I I guess I'm a fan of certain kinds of horror movies, and it's kind of the movies that I grew up with—the roller coaster popcorn, up and down, up and down, has some comedy in it. You know, um, I can't handle movies that just grab you and they're tense the whole time, and like you're messed up for a day or so afterwards. I just can't do those those kind of movies. This is a fun horror movie. Yeah. Whenever I categorize stuff, this is great to see with a crowd. It's fun to see at home with loved ones. And it's it's a roller coaster ride, you know. You're discovering new things. You'll laugh. There's some pressure. Never gets too intense. Never takes itself too seriously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's not one of the horror movies where you walk out of the screen and you're just staring at the ground, questioning your existence. Which <laughs> yeah, no. And and you guys mentioned that, you know, other horror films have that comedic break that kind of relieves that pressure of a horror movie. But because I think it was Peel writing this. Like, the comedy is legitimately really good comedy. It isn't just, like, a little joke thrown in here and there. I mean, it's weaved throughout the movie, and it's really it's really good. So The yeah. comedy plays the audience because it's what we would all say. That's what makes it funny. It's whatever you're thinking. There's a character about to blurt it out. And it was a good audience tonight. It was, you know, it was probably, I don't know, it was over half full, you know, maybe three quarters. It was qu- bigger than most of our Thursday night yeah, crowds. Yeah, you know, three quarters, two thirds full. But the audience was into it, and that's what made it enjoyable to, to watch, absolutely. Any other comments anyone wants to make? I know we probably haven't gone on as long as we have on some movies, but we don't want to give it away. Yeah. So. I, I, I recommend Let's talk about the gore level. Oh, people yes. may have a question about that. Uh, Sometimes people will go into a horror movie wondering it's going to be really gross or gory. This one's not too bad. I have seen thrillers or things not even considered horror movies that were way bloodier than this thing. Yeah. I don't think there's hardly, from my perspective, I don't think there was hardly any gore at all. And even I noticed that this is where I think Peel is smart, and I caught this, was that 
there was one scene that could have been really gory, and he chose to show that off camera a little bit. He didn't go there. You know, like some directors would have went, and you guys you probably know the scene I'm, I'm referring to where someone meets their demise, and he didn't show he impl, he, he showed it implied, but he didn't show the actual gore, you know? I think that was a very smart choice. Yeah, this is low-end gore for horror. And as far as jump scares, there's one or two. Two. There's two. So for me, there was two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like it's overdone. And in one, of, one, one of them almost got me a little bit mad. That was the one downside was, okay, so you used music and somebody walking by for a jump. I didn't like that, to be honest with you. Don't. There was no need for that big loud music and that person walking by see i i kind of like that because it was it was almost a different use of a jump scare because normally it'll be you know someone sitting alone in the room and all of a sudden someone will bang on the door or something along those lines and this was a lot more subtle than that and it was it was it was like waking you up going hey Stuff's about ready to get real. Well, it got me to grab the handrail. I'll say yeah. that much. Did you did you forget what kind of movie you came to? That, that's how I kind of viewed it. Because yeah. it didn't happen until things started to move. Like, nothing had really moved down the horror it, path until that point. And then it was like, all right, here it starts. It does shift gears. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll say this. I don't think that the music was heavy-handed at all in the sense of, like you just knew instantly by this overbearing, eerie music, it's about to get scary. It was very subtle at times, but when he got up to go out and have a smoke, that's when the yeah, that's when things began to shift, and I was like, oh, okay. So you made a comment coming out, Bradley Whitford. How was he in this movie? He's Bradley Whitford. He's playing a very <laughs> typical Bradley Whitford character. But between this and Cabin in the Woods, I think he's got a good eye for horror scripts, obviously. And I may be just watching. If he's in another one, I'll jump right in. Now, which one was yeah. he? Which one was The dad. That? Oh, the dad. Oh, yeah. He he's was the technician. One of the technicians in Cabin in the Woods. Have you seen Cabin I in the Woods? I have not seen Cabin oh in my the Woods. God. Well, we know what's going to come on homework at some <laughs> point. <laughs> but he, now, was he the guy? He was like in West Wing or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought I recognized him from from a, from the TV show. Okay. Cool. Let's talk about Catherine Keener. She takes a big diversion from what she usually plays. She's legitimately creepy as the mom in this movie. Yeah. She's she's really creepy. Menacing, even. Yeah. She doesn't smile very often. Yeah. They're they're. I mean, there was a lot of creepy scenes, but towards the end, not giving too much away, there's a scene where Chris is played by, you know, Daniel Kaluuya and Catherine Keener's character just look across a room at one another. And I thought it was a great scene. Yeah, They just kind of stare each other down a little bit. The score doesn't stand out to me, but this movie had some really good sound design. There are a few scenes where I was just really paying attention to it. Um some of the trippier things you see in the trailers have some really good sound design elements in those scenes. Yeah. Any other comments before we move to the next segment? I hate to do this, but we do have to put it to the vote. I don't know if this one's going to pass for whether or not this will be a TFC recommend since all three of us have seen it. I'll go first because I'm easy. Yes, I would recommend this movie. I liked it a lot. Oh, let me go a second because I definitely would recommend this movie. Roger. I. As a person who generally does not like horror, if you're casually wanting to dip your toes in the water, then I would say yes, absolutely. Nice. I didn't think it would pass, so we get to put it on TFC Recommends. 
the last thing I was going to say as we went to break was, if you're looking for something different, if you maybe you don't do horror very often, and you want to dip your toe in and see what it's like, I think this is a this is a gateway film. This is a great way to kind of whet your appetite a little bit. Yeah, I recommend it. Yes, absolutely. So other gateway horror movie films that people discuss are like Scream. Um, have you seen Scream? No. I mean, I saw the parody, and I've seen it little pieces of it here and there. <laughs> that just that just hurts. Yeah, it I does. Just, I can't. I, I just. What was that parody? Shriek, if you know what I did last summer. Or something. I've seen. You know, you're in a hotel, and you're, you're your own business. And no. And no. You, and no. It's in there, and you watch it, you know. I, I No. Scream? I don't know. I don't want to see Scream. I like this better than Scream. Yeah, no, I do too. I'm just trying to think of other entry level films. Like, what about Friday the Thirteenth, the original? That's not a bad. No, slasher. that that just that scared the crap it's out of me. It's too much for it. That's too way much. too, it's too no, much. No, that's no. That would not get into the film coterie Hall of Fame <laughs> with my vote. <laughs> I still, I had nightmares for years over that movie. Oh, 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 yes. No, no. Right. Wow, that's emphatic. It's a no to Friday the 13th, <laughs> but a yes, an emphatic yes to Get Out. We all liked it, and Absolutely. it's going on TFC Recommends. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anything else? All right. We'll, we'll be back uh, in a little while. And welcome back. You are listening to the film Coterie, and uh, it's time for our next segment, which is the Oscar bet. The Oscars are this Sunday. The, the first ever film Coterie Oscar bet. And we've arranged a bet between ourselves where we are all doing our own ballots. But whoever the winner is gets to send the other two unfortunate losers to a movie of the winner's choice sometime in March that they have to go see together. Yep. So... Now we're not we're not picking the ones we think should win. We're picking what we we're, we're trying to predict in it to win it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I picked what I want to win, and I don't care if I lose, because I can't. I explained this before. I can't root against what I actually want to happen just to win a pool. Now wait, watch him win the stinking dog, he, and you and I be going to the movies together. <laughs> you already threatened to send us back to the Great Wall. I did. I did threaten to send you back <coughs> to the Great Wall. So anyway, yeah. So we are. Uh, I, I. This is my predictive ballot, and then I actually did another ballot where I just picked the ones that, if I was just going to vote, this is who I would. I would pick. And only one of those matters. Yes, I know. All right. So we'll run through a couple. What I'll do is I'll post our three ballots on the website so you can okay. see. And then next week when we come back, we'll have the recap. We'll declare the winner. And I'll tell everyone how wrong the Academy is for not picking my movies. <laughs> so I'm going to go a little bit out of order here. Let's go to the screenplay section because I'm curious what you guys pick. So original screenplay, I went with Hell or High Water. And I think you may agree with me on this. So let me know what your picks were. Mine was Manchester by the Sea. That was mine as well. Manchester oh, wow. by the Sea. 
All right, so I was really wrong on that one. <laughs> no, I, I just well, thought, you could be right. We could be wrong. Yeah. I, well, I, I thought it was just a, an amazing movie to begin with, and I thought my thinking was whatever whoever thought that up and was able to write that deserves deserve the Oscar, in my opinion. Even though I loved Hill or High Water, and it was in my top five of 2016. Okay. Well, then let's shift gears to adapted screenplay. Roger, what'd you pick? I picked Moonlight. And Matt? Arrival. I picked Arrival. Wow. So we have some differences here. After looking at the short story that Arrival came from, all I have to say is wow. Just wow. He just won the Writers Guild Award, too, for screenplay. Yeah. And he did make some great adjustments. That's one of the best examples ever of turning a short story without conflict. In my heart, I think he deserves... I put Arrival as my personal pick because anybody that can take that short story and turn it into that motion picture... Deserves the Oscar. But I, my prediction is Moonlight will win. All right. We're going to animated feature. I think you guys might be on the same page here. So let's see. We'll start with Matt this time. Uh, my animated feature would be Kubo and the Two Strings. And Roger, do we have a, a match? Really? I Remember, I'm predicting who I think the Oscar will Moana. go to. Moana? Nope. Zootopia. Ugh. I went with the Red Turtle. I'm I'm putting my money on Studio Ghibli. Wow. Okay. So this. Well, the Red Turtle is good. I just I, you know, any movie that just makes me, like, turn into a bundle of emotion and cry with my, you know, three year old beside me. Kubo and the Two Strings was by far the best animated feature I saw last year. Amazing. Deserves the Oscar in my opinion. But I I don't think that the Academy will pick it. I think they're going to go mainstream and do Zootopia. Okay, well, let's jump over to original song. Um, I'll lead this one off. I think I'm going to go ahead and bet on the hot horse of Lin-Manuel Miranda and go with How Far I'll Go from Moana. Wow. Who's going next? You can go next, Matt. Uh, I'm doing the same thing. How, how Far I'll Go from Moana. Uh, I just recently saw this. Um, <clears throat> if you get the DVD or, or download the movie from iTunes or whatever... There are uh, there is at least one vignette on the music of Moana, and I fell in love, so I can't go against it. So, and I've not seen Moana yet, so I didn't I didn't pick it. But I think probably uh, La La Land, City of Stars, is the uh, feature. I think it's I think Hollywood is just going to fall in love with La La Land this year. La La Land's up for two in that category, but I agree with you. I think City of Stars is probably the favorite. Yeah, here's here's the kicker though for me. <coughs> The on how far I'll go for Moana, I didn't even think was in the top two songs from Moana. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm partial to when people step out of their comfort zone and Dwayne The Rock Johnson has a great song in there as well as Jermaine uh, from Fly to the Concords as a giant crab. His song is glorious. I'm going to have to see it now for sure. It, they, they're great. They're great. All right. Now we're jumping into the bigger category. So how about actor in a supporting role? I'll start. I went with Maher Shala Ali from Moonlight. Yep. Ditto. Me too. Without a doubt. I saw the movie. He's great yep, in it. He is fantastic. I voted my conscience on this one. I, yeah. I think he's going to win it. I think the only reason I didn't vote for him is the fact that I haven't seen Moonlight. And 
I just like Michael Shannon's character in Nocturnal Animals a lot. So I went with Michael Shannon. Okay. And then actress in a leading role. I'll go with you, Roger. Leading or supporting? This thing's out of order. So I'll go supporting. I see it now. Uh, Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. Okay. Just a few scenes in that the movie. one scene, though, was I don't want to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it. There's one scene that is worth gut punch. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I get tore up just thinking about the scene. Who did you go with, Adam? I went with Octavia Spencer from Hidden Figures. Oh, gotcha. I went with Michelle Williams as well. So, it just that scene reson- that she was in just Ooh. resonated with me, and I loved Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Spoiler I did too. alert. <laughs> <coughs> okay. So now we're going to the leading roles. We'll go to actress in the leading role. Uh, Matt, what'd you go with on this one? Actress in the leading role. I haven't even seen this movie. I'm going to flat out tell you, but from everything I've heard, I have to go with Natalie Portman from Jackie. I've seen the movie, and I'm going with Natalie Portman (laughs) from Jackie. And you know what? My uh, head tells me that's the smart pick, but I went with Emma Stone, La La Land. My heart did want uh, Isabel Huppert from Elle, because that's a heck of a performance, but... I think the smart money is on Natalie Portman. I, th- I think it is, too, to be honest with you. Okay, for this one, we're probably all on the same page. Actor in a leading role. Because yeah. we discussed it during our review. Oh, yeah. I'll lead off. I went with Casey Affleck. Yep, ditto. Uh, same. It, I, I cannot see anyone putting a better it performance be, on film last year. It will be the greatest robbery of Oscar history if he does not win. I think Denzel's the only one that has a shot here. And I've not seen Fences, but I hear that all. I hear that a lot of buzz for him in that as well. Yeah, Vigo's on it. Like we said, Vigo has a great performance. Great, but it is. It is not Casey Affleck's performance in Manchester by now, the Sea. Now I have not seen Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge. It's actually in my queue now to watch, and but I've seen all the rest of them except for I haven't seen Fences. But this is a year where several of these guys. I mean, Vigo Mortensen's performance was incredible. I think he's deserving as well as anybody for actor in a leading role, but I think it's going to go to Casey Affleck. He's just head and shoulders above. Okay. And we're up to director. So, Roger, who do you think is going to get the director title? Chazelle, La La Land. It's a lock. I don't know how you could go anywhere else. He's won every single award up to this this point. All right. Matt? I'm just rebelling, so didn't even win for a rival. Not a bad pick. I'm going with Chazelle. I think he's got it this year. Well, and, I mean, he's directing Dune. Come on. I I just – I'm rooting for the dude. (laughs) If you're listening – if you happen to even remotely hear about this, I'm rooting for you so hard. And the final category we'll discuss, best picture. I went with La La Land. I went with La La Land as well. I do not think it is the best picture, but I think it's the one that will win. Manchester by the Sea. I'm trying to think what your list was. What's your best picture? For last year? Yeah. Hail Caesar. Okay. But Manchester by the Sea is the best film on that list, on this list here. And should win the, uh, should win the Best Picture Academy, but it won't. La La Land's going to win. Hollywood loves Hollywood. It does. <clears throat> that pat on the back they can give themselves whenever they can. Yep. And that's the reason it'll win. It sucks, but it's going to win. All right, so that's our teaser of our ballots. I'll put this on our website. So next week, tune in, see who won, 
and see what those poor, poor losers are going to go have to see. Oh, yeah. We may not even declare yet because you have the whole month of March for the winner to pick. I have a question. If two people tie... Only one person has to go see the movie that the two people agree on. Oh, so I... So I'm assuming it's going to be me because I refuse to to bow to the narcissism. You just of La watch La him Land. win. Watch him win. You know. So, so I will only have to go see one horrible, awful thing. Yes. If okay. You, if you lose and Roger and I tie, then Roger and I will have to put our heads together and decide what movie do we send Matt to. All right. All right. And then you'll have to come back on the show and do a review of the movie for us. Oh, I'll review that movie. <laughs> okay, so that'll wrap up our Oscar segment. Uh, it'll be live Sunday night. I might be tweeting about it. We'll see. Yep. But uh, check back next week to see the results. Okay, we're back on the film coterie, and for this segment, I ordered from the horror desk that Roger and Matt watch this movie called XX. It is a horror anthology directed by all women, and it is not triple X like the Vin Diesel movie. It's just XX. It's available right now on VOD. It's in some theaters. So, I don't know how they thought of this movie. They haven't told me, and that's good. That makes it fun for the podcast. I don't know how they received it. I failed. Flat out failed. Failed what? You'll find out, guys. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so This is going to be I, good. All right. I don't know what that means. So there's four short movies in this. Yes. And a kind of wraparound. It's just sort of stop motion. It doesn't tie the stories together like some other. Yeah, anthologies. I have questions about that wraparound thing. Okay. So we'll jump into the first one. The first short is called... The box. Now, now I, I need to know up front, uh, how much are we spoiling? How much are we talking premise, about? Premise, just the premise and what you can see in the trailer. Okay. So we let need, me we, set up we, the trailer. We, I've seen the we trailer. We need to have a special segment at the end of this podcast where we spoil everything <laughs> so I can get my... We may do that someday. We'll just call it a bonus <laughs> section where we can spoil okay. everything. Yes. But the box, the premise is, and it's in the trailer, it's the most clear story in the trailer, is that a... Mother and her two children are riding on a subway. The young boy is next to a man, strange man, who's holding a, a one-eyed man box. The boy looks inside the box, and then he stops eating. You'll see it in the trailer. They can't get him to eat anything. He goes and sees the doctor. The doctor can't convince him to eat anything. So, Roger, what do you think of this one? Weird, strange. Your parent is this upsetting? Yes, very upsetting. The end of the movie did not give me any closure whatsoever. Uh, after this segment, I was like, what the heck did I just see? Really? Oh, oh. If, if, if it wanted to produce those emotions for me, then the movie was a, a smashing success. This little vignette was. It's upsetting. I, I give it that. It's shot really well. There's some good makeup effects in this. And and I can see it being upsetting for parents because, you know, it's just it's this frustrating that there's something wrong with your kid. You don't understand what's wrong. And you can't fix it. Yeah. It, wow. 
Well, and 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 before we even get into the box a whole lot, that the whole like little vignettes that went on before, during, in the middle, we need to talk about those too. What's all that about? All what? Right. So in most horror anthologies, there's a wraparound. There's some sort of connective tissue between the short stories. Okay. This one was more vague, I think, and someone might know better than me, that it was just a stop-motion film that they just chopped up and showed us in four segments. I don't think it tied to the individual segments at all. Not that I could see. Because the only thing I could figure out was this was a child's playroom, and they were going to different parts of the playhouse and opening doors, and you got to see little vignettes. It's a dollhouse, yeah. A dollhouse, and there was different... It was loose. I don't it think was it was the most creepiest child's playroom, though, you'll ever see. No child would ever play in that room, I'm telling you right now. Yeah. <laughs> it was freaking creepy, man. Now, the box was based on a short story by Jack Ketchum. And you know what? This actually intrigued me enough. I may look at it because I'm curious how close it is to the short story, if there's a different resolution or if there's any and different I, details. I read somewhere somebody has optioned this for a feature. Oh, I didn't know that. The box, specifically, or one of these four, I thought somebody was rewriting into a full-length feature. So, I mean, if I had my choice, it would be Her Only Living Son, the very last one. I thought that could be a good feature. Yeah. All right, Matt, time to fess up. All right, so I, I did get to watch the box. It creeped me out. Um, and then I remember waking up in the morning. <laughs> so um so adam had rented it and i could have seen it on saturday uh, i was not able to watch it on saturday so on monday night i think i rented it at my ha- well yeah i rented it for what 7.99 8.99 it's a price for when it's in theaters there's no right, to yeah. buy option and that's the it's premium and it's in theaters right now so it's a higher rental price so i sat down uh watched the box was super excited, said, I'm just going to lay down here. And unfortunately, that's not to take anything away from the movie. It's not like it was so boring it put me to sleep. Oh, no, it was. It's not I, was it, yes. I was exhausted and woke up the next morning. So what did you think of the box from what you saw? Uh, I thought it was creepy. Um, it's one of those things as a parent i guess you know when you would see your your child behaving in this manner and you have no way to correct this and that's one of my that's a fear i, I mean that's just a fear i have my wife used to work on an oncology floor right so yeah. at the end of every day that my son doesn't get diagnosed with cancer like i literally think about that every night before i go to bed well today my son doesn't have cancer because I've seen those patients and those kids and how families deal with it. And while this isn't cancer, it's still something happening to your son that you have no control over. And it just, yeah, yeah, it was devastating. Yeah. It's super creepy. It's super creepy. There are two movies in this. There's two vignettes in this movie that just creeped me out. And then there were two that I would consider more traditional non creepy horror and you'll probably know what two I'm talking about, Adam. <laughs> but anyway, all right. The so box is the first one. The box. So let's jump into the birthday party. This is the second short anthology film in the here. Uh, it's written and directed by Annie Clark. She goes by Saint Vincent. She's a musician. I've heard some of her stuff. She's good. This is the first time she's directed anything. And in the preview, 
this is the one you can see where the birthday party and the the panda and the kids and the, the big group and some more trippy imagery and a nice house. This is all about a birthday party where something has gone wrong and it's chaos after that. This is the funny one. This is the most comedic out of all the four. And this is the one, as the end credits rolled, I laughed out loud. The short is called The Birthday Party. They saved the full name for it until the end. Yes. So when the credits come up for it, you see yes. the full subtitle name, and it does make you laugh out loud. I, I will have to say, though, I was kind of bored with this a little bit. I was like, I've kind of seen this before. This... um gimmick or whatever they use this there's a term for this they use whatever oh without spoiling I, i've seen this before and you kind of saw the jokes coming and the, except for the subtitle but yeah the jokes no the subtitle that's what yeah so the whole time i was like oh okay you know i guess if you're going to doze off that would be the place to do it <laughs> but uh you know i and then, but the end, I thought I real I laughed out loud, and uh, I, yeah, so I really that was kind of worth it to sit through the twenty minutes of the birthday party. I think this one had the most unique look. There are some strange things going on here. It's a glass house. The hairstyles, did you notice that? I did not. They're kind of plasticky and Barbie Ken doll. There's a nanny, and she had a strange haircut. Oh the, yeah, I did. Women that. coming in are wearing bright colors, and they had strange hair too. It. it it's probably just commentary on that part of society. Everything is very plastic, very fake, colorful and plastic and fake. Yeah, I think that's very. I think that's a good eye, Adam. Now that you say that, I I can see that totally. So I think this had the best visual design out of the four shorts. Yes, yeah, and I th I think the third one was the most traditional horror. Of yep, the three. and that one is Don't Fall, uh, <coughs> directed by Roxanne Benjamin, who had a lot to do with Southbound, and that's a movie I'd assigned to Matt for his movie homework this time. And it's straight up traditional horror short. Yeah, with without giving it away, there's you know it's people going camping. Yes, bad things happen yes. in horror movies when you go camping. You'll see it in the trailer. Um, it, there's no tricks or turns to this one. It's just straight up horror. And I think for Roxanne, this is a good audition tape. This was a chance for her to spend a little bit of money and shoot a very <coughs> concise. It was actually short too. A nice concise set of scenes right that might convince the studio that she can direct a full-length horror movie i i would agree because there are some camera shots that are pretty cool unique good creature design here too in yeah. my opinion. yep a absolutely and so but i really was a, a kind of a yawner for me to be honest with you i mean it's very traditional i was yeah. like okay okay but i could see where there was you know if this is if she's trying to get into the business Great audition tape. She's I done think. anthologies, but, you know, I, like I said, I felt like this is more or less an audition tape to show that she could do that type of horror. Yeah, absolutely. And now to the last one. Oh, my. Her Only Living Son. I can see why they left this for the last anthology, because this was the scariest, freakiest, creepiest, mess me up in the head I will, I, I will never watch her only living son again. I'm not, I won't ever do it. This is, whoa. It's by Karin <sighs> Kusama, who directed The Invitation. She wrote it, too. Yeah, I won't be seeing anything she does. <laughs> <laughs> and this could be a feature. It's a good enough premise, execution, story that oh. it can be stretched past the 20 minutes and be a legitimately maybe great horror feature. 
And I have so many questions I want to ask you about this last vignette that I can't ask you without spoiling the story. But So the setup for the, the listeners, you can see it in the trailer. This is the short where a woman goes to school and is told that her son has pulled the fingernails off yes. another child. Yes. And asks the principal, are you going to punish him? And the principal just does a very creepy head shake, no. What the heck is that about, too? The whole school's response. Everything is weird in this one, and it's about her son and his 18th birthday. And the setup keeps going. You get an idea of where it's going to go, and it just builds from there. And it's it's very well executed, well shot. And like I said, my favorite premise, this is the home run in this anthology. If you mean by home run, the one that freaked me out the most and scared the crap out of me, then yes, this is the home run in the four. Oh, my goodness. And I was dumb enough to watch all four of these in one setting and at night and in my basement. Yeah. Oh, my. I, I, Did I'll, you have to I'll, turn the lights on, Roger? All the lights were up as bright as they would go. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, I, there is a Jimmy Stewart marathon in my future. I've had enough horror for the last couple of weeks. I'm getting uh, from the Babadook to this week with Get Out and then Double X. I'm, and the reason <sighs> we're doing this, it's... This, is, this our, is February. This isn't October. This is Women in Horror Month, I know. which is why I picked this. And I didn't know your familiarity with anthology films. Have you seen like Creep Show? Yes, I have. And Tales from the Dark Side, the yeah. movie. Uh, or is it Tales from the Crypt? Or? Well, Tales from the Crypt is a TV show. They made movies, but the movies themselves were not anthologies. Okay. It was an HBO series. Okay. Gotcha. What I would tell anyone that liked this, this one is okay. It's not one of the stronger anthology movies out there. There's two good ones in this. But I have to push VHS 1 and 2. And Matt, you can jump in on this. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Okay. I love both of those movies. When they came out, I threw parties. You know, my movie nights. I brought people in and just messed them up with VHS and VHS 2. There's people that still haven't forgiven me for that. They're great. And They're I like awesome. Southbound. I gave Matt Southbound for his movie homework. We'll talk about that. When we get there. But if you like this, definitely check out those titles. I know they're on streaming. I believe VHS 1 and 2 are on either Netflix or Amazon for free. Yeah. You should go watch them, Roger. Uh, no. <clears throat> I'm not going to watch them. And don't you think – don't assign those <laughs> as homework for at least a couple months. Look, I – look – I assigned you a movie this past week that was in no way remotely even considered horror whatsoever. So you need to worry about that. Yes. Thank you very much for that, too. Okay. So that's our take on XX. Yeah. I guess. And when we come back, we will get into our movie homework. You're listening to The Film Coterie. back and it's time for movie homework this is the weekly assignment where we not to punish each other but maybe to expand our repertoire we give each other movies so last week i gave roger no i'm sorry matt gave roger goon yes because he was making fun of our neighbors in the great white north now now i was not i was let's let's <laughs> give some proper 
some proper context to this story. I'm in Winnipeg, Canada, on business. I'm watching a movie the night before my actual weekend started. Had a free night. I'm at the movieplex. And here comes this goon, the last something. Last of the enforcers. The last of the enforcers. And I'm sitting here going, no, only in Canada would, would they have a movie like this. Because it's a hockey, goofy hockey movie. And Matt and Adam proceeded to tell me, no, this is a real thing. And it's actually good. And it was in America. Yes. All right, give it to us. What do you think so, of Goon? We're both <laughs> eager because we don't know what you thought. You've not so, spoiled it for us. So I was assigned Goon to watch. And I got to be honest with you. I'm glad I was assigned this movie because if I would have just stumbled across this, I would have quit this movie in the first five minutes. I would have walked away and not watched it. Why? And this is why. I hate vulgar comedy. And that skinny little dude in the beginning of this movie oh, yeah. oh, is yeah, yeah. about as trashy and nasty and vulgar. He is... Um, he is he 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 is the guy from the American Pie that's the good guy in this movie. Uh, what's his name? In Sean the, William Scott. Yeah, the Stifler. Stiff. He's the Stifler character in this movie. I mean, just vulgar, nasty. I mean, just oh. And I, I'm sitting here thinking, if I was not assigned this movie, it would have done been off after five minutes of watching this. But I have to watch it to the end, right? I have to watch this movie all the way through. And what I discovered was a movie with some real heart to it. Told you. A good movie with heart. If you can get past the, the crassness of the, of the characters at times. And th normally some that stuff doesn't really bother me. Um, and it didn't so much once I kind of acclimated to the movie itself. I was blown away by the main character's portrayal of the goon of the bad of the because you've, you've only ever thought about him as stifler right exactly yeah yeah and here's this guy i mean how much we can get into spoilers yeah, right yeah, so yeah it's been out for a while <laughs> so, so here's here's this guy who's a goon he's a hitman he's an enforcer in hockey and you think of enforcers they're the dudes that talk trash and smack and oh i gotta save my praise for the other goon oh he was so good Rhea, Ross Rhea. Oh, but anyway, I'll get to him in a minute. And so here's Stifler playing this goon guy straight up, and he's nice. I mean, he's like he's like the the guy every parent would want your daughter to. He's polite and kind and friendly, and he wears his heart on his sleeve and, and not so smart. And not so smart. He's not the brightest or the sharpest tool in the in the toolbox. But he's nice and all this. And, and I found myself laughing my head off because he'd be like real nice and then bam and then just like dropping somebody and then like waving oh hi, you know. And so and he falls in love with the girl and his niceness. She keeps trying to repel him by saying I sleep around and I'm no good and I'm a terrible girlfriend and his niceness wins her over, you know. And, uh, oh, I got a, I, whatever that, whoever that, act, that actor, I've seen him in other stuff that plays the other goon with the mustache. Eugene. Yeah. Uh, uh, Liv Shriver. Liv Shriver. Yeah, Liv yeah. Shriver. He is amazing. He, <laughs> dude, that is an incredible, incredible acting job. He is everything 
Canadian and and East <laughs> Bronx and I mean just hockey. Yeah, you know, he's the real blue collar, the real deal. He is the veteran goon, man. I love the scene when he goes for a walk at three in the morning and finds the other goon, Liam Schreiber, <laughs> having breakfast and a coffee. Yes. And they just sit and talk man to man. Oh, absolutely. And he's like, dude, you've already got my respect, but I won't let you know. I'm going to drop you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, yes. You know. It has what every good sports movie needs is it's moving towards a resolution that you're looking forward to see. Yep. It sets these two guys up. You want to see them fight, and it delivers. It has a lot of heart, and that's the thing I think surprises people. A, a tremendous heart in the movie. And I, like I said, I would have just turned this movie off. I would have never. I would have been like, oh, I just and I wouldn't watch something else. But I had to watch it. And when you assigned me homework, as much as you as much as you guys dread it when you hear 1935 on a movie, you know, we watch them. You guys watch them to the end. So I I have to do the same thing. And I'm so glad I did. I'm looking now. Is uh, I can't even remember the preview of Goon. The last Goon is it? A, is it an actual sequel with the same actors? Yes. And Leo Schreiber's in it. He has to go to him to train because he has learned how to fight with his left. Something happens to his right hand. So Leo <laughs> uh, Schreiber's back. My only thinking is, I, and he's going to be a dad. He's got that pressure too. Yeah, I, I wonder if the the second one just can't deliver the way the first one did. Like I, I'm Major re- League Two. Yeah, exactly. I'm concerned it's going to fall into the sequel trap and just not be good. But sports I'm gonna, comedies are really hard. But I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see The Last Goon or whatever, The Last Enforcer, whatever it's called. I will go see it now just because of this movie. And I quote this movie. One of my favorite lines, and I, I can't even really tell you why, is just sometimes garbage blows in my face. It sort <laughs> yes. of sums up his existence. He's in the middle of the street. The bag hits him in, in my face. face. Whenever something's even blown in my direction, even close to a parking but lot, there, I'll turn and say that to whoever I'm there with. Was, there was a couple of really heartwarming stories in parts of this movie like – when he has to go back to his parents, and they're like, "What are you're a goon? You're a thug? You're a, you know, you're a, a fighter?" And he's like, "Dad, I'm a part of a team. This is what I do. I fit in." He views it as a noble cause because he's retained to protect their star player. Yes, yes, and, and he takes that job seriously. They're roommates, and, and you know what? He not only wins the girl, but his niceness and his commitment to team. Wins over the star. It transforms the real star hockey player. Yeah, to an individual that can barely stand up on skates in the beginning of this movie. Oh, so good. And when he scores his first goal off his butt, <laughs> it was great. I, I was just thought, I just, once once he got away and actually started playing and was away from his little, that little snarky dude, whatever his name is, once he was like, the movie was great for me. I just loved it. I just thought it was what, great. Uh, I know you don't like the vulgarity, but what did you think of the interaction between his hockey team and the goalie? Dude, <laughs> dude, total. <laughs> it brought back high school sports. I've been in those locker rooms. That part, I thought, uh, that part don't really bother me, you know, because I've been in that high school locker room or that athletic locker room where – that banter goes back and forth, and it's what happens in the locker stays in the locker kind of deal. So, yeah, no, I, I liked that. I thought it was good. I didn't bother me at all. No, it's even funnier in hockey because goalies are notorious head cases. They have to, you have to treat them with kids' gloves sometimes. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you have the own te- their own team making fun of them, yelling <laughs> five hole at them, tapping yeah. them, and photoshopping a picture of a beach ball going past them. <laughs> yeah. They really mess with the goalie, and that's funny because that's the last thing you'd ever want to do to a goalie. (laughs) 
So I, his own I, team gets in his head and said, "You can't play this game." And and what was the deal with the 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 Swiss brothers or whatever those foreigners were? They were like out there, man. I mean, they were like, "Okay, that's some weird European stuff you guys are wanting to get involved in." <laughs> <laughs> and they're back too. Everyone's back. Oh for the my sequel. gosh, I can't wait to see the sequel because I really want to watch Goon again. And now I can fast forward through the parts I don't like to get to the. Some of them locker room scenes are great. Were you watching this by yourself? Oh yeah. I mean, were you laughing out loud at home when you? Oh yeah. It? No, I was sitting. I was in the basement, sitting down on the computer watching it, and I was laughing out loud, man. Yeah. I thought this it, one makes me bust out loud too. Oh yeah. It. No, it's great. Yep, absolutely. So I'm very thankful. Yes, thank you for the. Well, goon. I'm really glad you got to see the the uh, the trailer for Goon Two, because then it let us know you hadn't seen Goon, and we could we could give it to you. And now. You maybe understand our reaction when you were acting like this is some weird Canadian. Film. Yeah, we're I like, no, Goon's great. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, so I'll go up next. Roger, you gave me Yankee Doodle Dandy. A- and I did so not because I, I was hoping you'd love this movie or whatever, but I had I had given you White Heat, which is James Cagney as a gangster. And I think one of his most glorious roles. My favorite, It's actually my favorite Cagney movie, period. But anyway... I wanted you to see like the complete opposite flip side, the singing, dancing James Cagney. And did you think he pulled it off? Did it seem far fetched? Did I'm just curious. What is your reaction to Yankee Doodle Dandy? I like Cagney in this movie. He's fun to watch as George Cohen singing, dancing. He, when he sings, it's sort of half spoken, half sung. And if you, if you can hear Yankee Doodle boy in your head, you can kind of pick up what Cagney's doing there. Yeah, I like the design in the movie for this, this the stage shows. I doubt they were that high tech. If you go see it, because they have cruise ships moving <coughs> off scene and then smaller cruise ships coming yeah. in the background, I doubt that was really happening during this movie. But you assigned me a biopic. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know how I feel about these. You things. hate them. I know. I'm sorry. This one I got through. I mean, I liked a lot of the stuff about it. It just doesn't feel like a very good movie to me because it's just a collection of scenes. Right. If you were going to make up a story, if there was never a George Cohen yes, and you were going to tell a tale. It would work a lot better. I, I, you would never construct a movie like this. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Absolutely. This was done to showcase the dancing, the singing, the ability, the set design, all that kind of stuff. As all of those biopics slash musical slash production numbers are yeah and it's very patriotic it came out in 42 this is a raw raw america movie oh yeah you realize your distaste for biopics when it comes to homework may just lead to more biopics oh, i know in the sense that they're the films you haven't seen <laughs> yeah. i realize that but keep in mind too i put a biopic on my top 10 this year with jackie because i think that's the way to do a biopic at least for me yeah so yeah so anyway, I won't normally do that, but yeah, yeah. the thoughts. No, I mean, I like I said, I liked a lot about this movie. I just hate the structure. So, 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 did you actually buy Cagney as a singer and a dancer? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I do. Vaudeville. I mean, Va- yeah, yeah. Well, he does that. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. You know, it's, half spoken, it, it, half sung. It's half spoken, half sung. But his his dancing style, I've always thought found was fascinating, where he keeps his legs straight. He leans forward, and he leans forward, and he like his, you know, he doesn't. It's the exact opposite of like a Fred Astaire, who I think is a great dancer as well too, or a Gene Kelly. 
it's his own it's almost like he decided I'm gonna make up my own style of dancing it's very stiff very stiff very legs straight legs jumping out kind of a yeah, but it's very it's mesmerizing. I, I found myself going, oh, my gosh, this guy can really act, you know. So, yeah. And, of course, Cohen approved this movie. He, he actually saw it before he died. And they leave out some important things, like he cheated on his wife and she divorced him. And he, he went all Hollywood on her. But, of course. But, of course, <laughs> magically left out of the movie. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. I just have issues with the structure because it's a sure. biopic, and oh. there's—I will say this—even for a biopic, there is no conflict or real dramatic element once you get past the first act. Once he makes it, right, it's smooth sailing. <clears throat> in the last two thirds of the movie, yeah. everything's everything's going right for everything's him. Everything's rah rah. We need some encouragement. We're in nothing. The middle of, it's the war. We need encouragement. We need patriotism. Nothing close to tension, drama, <laughs> loose ends. <laughs> Like I said, it plays out as greatest hits because you just start seeing more of his stage plays. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say I don't like biopics. I'd rather see a documentary about Cohen because I think he's he's interesting. He was extremely prolific. Oh yeah. So that's I just think that's a better way to tell someone's sure. story is than pulled back documentary style. Yep, absolutely. Well, fair enough. And and I I, I can't say that I disagree with your assessment because. Some of those same plot elements and those things, I would say, are absolutely Yankee Doodle Dandy. But <clears throat> I just really think Cagney as a whole is one of the most overlooked, versatile actors of his generation. You, you, you know, he's hardly ever mentioned unless it's a gangster film. And he did so much more than just gangster films, you know. So, yeah. And you've asked me before, too, if I think there's any modern actors that play to that range. We may be talking about this next week, but Hugh Jackman can sing, dance. And he's the Wolverine. Yep. And you know what? I, now that you say that, I see that because Les Mis, he was, I thought he was phenomenal in that movie. And uh, yeah. He's done some Broadway stuff. I've not seen him in those shows, but. Yeah. Yeah. You may be right there. Yeah, absolutely. And even now I'll say this, Ryan Gosling, if you see the killer that he plays in Only God Forgives and more of the serious roles like Drive, and then you pair it with La La Land and the lighter stuff, he's got a lot of range there, too. Well, I'm just excited to see actors do stuff like that, have range like that, and do different things. Because, you know, sometimes they fall into a typecast, and they only do one kind of movie. Well, they needed it for stage. For stage, you need to be versatile right. and do a lot of different things. But when it comes to movies, you can definitely fall into a type and just hit that time and time again. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, they're very few and far between, but those are the two names that popped in my head for modern actors that might have that kind of range. Cool. And now we are to Matt. Yes. And I assigned him the horror anthology Southbound, which was sort of arranged by Radio Silence, one of the teams behind VHS and VHS2. Yeah, so um, Adam already knows I loved VHS and VHS2. Uh, so I think when he gave it to me, it was almost probably a no brainer. I was going to like it. Uh, and I did, uh, I thought as Adam mentioned, uh, earlier in the podcast, um, uh, talking about, um, XX, you know, these anthologies are supposed to have connective tissue running throughout somehow with a wraparound. This was one of the best I had ever seen. I mean, it was so seamless between one. I didn't even realize until I looked it up on Wikipedia that there were actually that were actually two separate ones, and they were, but it worked. I mean, they just worked together. Um, so essentially, this one was made up of 
the different segments called The Way Out, Siren, The Accident, Jailbreak, and The Way In. So, um, essentially, how much spoilers? It's 2015. Just, a, I mean, general premise. You don't give away the ending. These are all about 20-minute shorts. Yeah, 20-minute shorts. So, it starts out with The Way Out, um, and I think... If you've watched enough of these, if you watch enough horror, I'm immediately like, these people are in hell. Th- this is just, they're in hell. Something. And the box art is roads that make a pentagram. Yes, yes. So they're not being too subtle here. They may be somewhere that's not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it but it opens up just kind of in the middle of, something has happened, it's in the middle of this thing, and... Um, Bad stuff ensues, and there's throughout each of these, not only is there the connective tissues, how they transition between back and forth, but in each of them are these creepy creatures that float in the air that are almost like skeletal grim reapers with tentacles that wires. kind of float. Yeah, like, like techno wires. I've yeah. kind of got that kind of buzz from it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, but like skeletal wings and, you know, I mean, these things are pretty Freaky looking. Very good job, whoever did. I mean, it's, you know, when they're hanging in midair about 20 feet off the ground, they're kind of creepy. Um, but the first one, not bad. Um, the other thing, too, is I think it's all kind of, at least this first one, is a treatment of guilt. Right? You have two people that have done something heinous, and they may have felt they had reason for it. And it's how the two of them are dealing with that guilt over what has happened. One kind of has guilt, the other one doesn't. And you see how that plays out. Um, immediately from there, the, there's the connective tissue here is this motel. They go in, you know, they go into motel. And then all of a sudden it pans down to the next door and these girls pop out. Now these two back to back, the siren and the accident. Hands down, my favorite, yes. these two together. Because as as I was telling Adam when I was telling him about, you know, I watched it, liked it. These two were blended together seamlessly. It was glorious. So the siren, not the siren, just siren. You have this female band. They're on the road to trying to get to their next gig. They break down. Um, they're taken in by this couple. That are just creepy from the oh outset. Oh boy! Oh, enough said right what? there. Oh man! Actually, it's it, it's. I mean, immediately I'm like, oh, they're gonna get butchered. Something's gonna. It gets weirder than that. Oh man! They feed them meat. I call this the meatloaf short. Yeah, they feed them like burnt meatloaf, or whatever it is. One of them's a vegetarian, so she doesn't eat. All right, but at the dinner, it's not just the couple that picked them up. There's a whole nother couple. So there's two couples and these three girls. One of them doesn't eat the meat. They go back into the room after eating dinner, and one of them starts acting funny, and then they both start – They and it's a guild again. You know, you're the one that had this fight with our other friend. She left. It wouldn't have happened. You know, how are these people dealing with guilt? And then the, the girls that ate the meatloaf start puking up black, blah, black stuff. Um and then she runs out and yells, and then they they give her something to drink, something, and then and then it goes from that point. I don't think I've given away too much at that 
point, and then it gets crazy. Just enough to let me know I'm not watching it. <laughs> but how it ends is one of the people involved in that, in Siren, gets hit by a car. And then it picks up the next one immediately, which is the accident, which I think m- might be one of my, I think that is my favorite one. If I had to pick between the siren and the accident, and essentially this gentleman just, he's on the phone with his wife, hits this person, and he stops the car, and you can you can feel he's checking his mirrors, he's looking around, there's not a soul around, Right. And it's, you can see the wheels turning in his head. Do I stop? Do I go? Do I stop? Do I go? He decides to stop. It's a horror movie. Mistake. <laughs> so from that point on, he finally gets a hold of the 911 operator, supposedly. <laughs> and uh, oh, man. and then it gets weird. I don't want to give away too much of this one because I yeah. love this one. Yeah. This so I'll just one. end it there. He called 911 and then it. And then it goes from there. Then jailbreak picks up that it's the dispatcher on the phone with this dude. She's at a pay phone. <laughs> she hangs <laughs> up and uh, you have a guy looking for his sister. Uh, and this is where it's like beating over the beating over the head. Listen, this is you. These may be demons. There may be some demon stuff involved here. Um, and he's searching for his sister, finds her, and it's trying to escape. Um, I don't want to give away too much of this one either because some revelations are made. Um, but then what we get is it kicks back then to the wraparound, the way in. So essentially, it's the first part of the story to the way out. You find out why these two dudes were guilty driving up to a gas station that they can't leave. And it's good. I, I mean, as far as wraparound goes, it was really well done. I don't think it'll ever be topped. All these stories connect. The wraparound has more. It's part of the storytelling experience where before in like VHS, the wraparound just serves to get to the next tape, the next yeah. story or like tales from the dark side. The That's the Hansel and Gretel wraparound. Where the lady's getting ready to kick the boy and he's in the cell. And he keeps telling her scary stories to buy time. Those kind of wraparounds just function as light entertainment till the next tale yeah, of horror. It's just a device to get you to the next story. This one is completely connected. Yeah. So I mean, so I mean, because I think it's trying to set that idea that these people are in hell or, you know, they're trapped somewhere and it's right. things are going wrong. There's also radios in most, if not all of this of the the individual pieces. And there's the same announcer, kind of like a Wolfman Jack type voice. And if you listen to it, he's kind of gonna, he's kind of gonna tell you what's going on, um, which I thought was really nice. So there was more than just uh, like an individual element kind of wrapping these things up. I mean, they were connected and done so well. I I loved it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I I I liked it a lot. And I just looked to see if Radio Silence is working on anything else. There's nothing listed, um, but. Anything they do, I'm going to check out, just based on my love of VHS 1 and 2, and now this. They had nothing to do with VHS 3, which I've said is the poor one. But Southbound is definitely an anthology to check out if you like anthology movies. Yeah, no, no, it was it was great. Um, I don't, I mean, I think I'd have to watch it again to know where I'd put it, like, yeah. with VHS and VHS 2 and all that. But, 
I mean, as far as I don't think I've ever seen a connective tissue in an anthology film as good as this. It was great. I have a vivid memory of this because I saw it at Fantastic Fest. I saw it with my dad. It was one of the late night movies, so probably a midnight showing. And my dad's not big on these anthology films because I, I dragged him to VHS 3, which is bad. He didn't like that one. But when he saw Southbound, we talked about the whole ride home, and he was picking up on a lot of the the segments and, and maybe what things meant. We had a lot of conversation about this one, and I know he liked it. So, I mean, it, it goes to people that don't, don't even necessarily like anthologies. There's enough good stuff here that it, it delivers pretty much on all ends. And it is called Southbound. Southbound. Yeah, south not bound. subtle. There's nothing yeah. subtle. Well, south south bound. Yeah, it's more like we're <laughs> in purgatory, and whatever you do here may end you up going south bound. I, I mean, essentially, <laughs> that's the way I took from it. Um, if you want to know, I know Roger probably wants to know this on a gore level. There's some gore in some of them, not horrendous um, for a horror film. Um, you know, but there's a scene, you know, when a person gets hit by a car, there's some devastating injuries. Uh, maybe legs fall off. I don't know. Or just kind of been completely the wrong way and, you know, whatever. Oh, but, oh, um, but it's not it's not horrific. Um, you know, it's it's not up there with like gore and splatter movies. So. And it's available on Amazon Prime. Yes, it is. So I didn't have to pay anything to watch it. You it can stream wonderful. it for free. If you check this movie out. Let me know. I really want to hear what other people think about this movie. So I didn't Absolutely. fall asleep for the one that was free, and I fell asleep on the one that I actually had to pay a good bit of money to rent. You saw the better one. I I, I know, but you know, I wasted eight bucks because well sixteen because I'm gonna have to go watch it XX again. You don't have to. Yeah, I want to see the end one. The end one's so good. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to have to watch it again to see the end. So so I, I did another poll. I've been trying to do this every week on Facebook um, just to kind of get our listeners and, and those to engage with our show a little bit. And I said, in celebration of our Women of Horror-themed podcast tonight, what is the scariest movie you've ever seen? And so, uh, if we, if you don't mind, I'd like to no, li- jump right in. It's yeah, a good point. I'd like to listen. I'd like to list off some of the folks and what they put. Uh, Leo from Columbus put Nosferatu, still creepy and terrifying to this day. Good choice. <laughs> Murno. Uh, Ginger out in Oklahoma uh, put Psycho was hers. Uh, Valerie in Oklahoma, The Hitcher. Uh, David in North Carolina, Finding Nemo. Uh, and then question mark, you know, where there were some big sharks in that. <laughs> All I right. thought, okay, whatever, David. Does he want me to assign him a movie? <laughs> <laughs> no, David, I, you don't. No charge. Me. No <laughs> charge whatsoever. Carl in Arkansas, The Exorcist. Uh, Stephanie, I haven't found a good scary one yet. Well, okay. Then maybe you ought to check out some of these that we've been uh, recommending. Um, Bill from Columbus, Alien was his. Uh, Sabrina, Salem's Lot, the original. I watched it as a kid, and I had bad dreams for years about that vampire. Which one was that one? Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. Gotcha. Uh, Denny from Texas or from Arkansas, Wax Museum. Uh, uh, Kent from Columbus, Witchboard. Uh, you have to let me know if you chime in if, I, if any of these are good or not. I haven't seen hardly any of these. <laughs> yeah. No, these are all good picks. Uh, let's see. Uh, Except Finding Nemo. 
Yeah. Danita from West Virginia, she wrote The Conjuring or Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. That first movie is so good. I always tell people because they think. Which one, The Conjuring or Nightmare? (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street. I was going to say, because I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, and that's the second reason I don't watch horror films. (laughs) The first one was The Exorcist. Never sleep again. Oh, Which Exorcist did you watch? Like the 73, the original? I know the 73 original, but wasn't there the original and then the original with all the scenes that they weren't allowed to show in 73? There was a recut one that came out when I was in college. No, I saw the original original. It's the the one where she spider walks down the stairs. Right, no, I got that. That, But that's in the other one, but is the crucifix scene. It's in the original. Okay, I didn't know if it was in the original original or not. Uh, let me see. Uh, Amy Hellraiser. Um, All right. Yes. <coughs> I, I, I know Adam's Adam's a horror nut, um, but this is your jam. This is my jam right here. <laughs> um, I love Pinhead. All right. You can take your Jason. You can take your Michael Myers. You can have your Freddy Krueger. Give me Pinhead and Cinebite any day of the week. This is a true story. Matt and I ran around a horror movie convention trying to get Matt, one, a lament configuration. I had to have a lament configuration. That's the puzzle box from Hellraiser. The so portal that, to hell, for those of you that don't so know. So that Doug Bradley, who was there, could sign it. Yeah. And you know what a horror convention did not have? A lament configuration. How tragic. It, you, you scoff. I would, have, <laughs> I would have paid any amount of money that day for a lament configuration, and no one had one. We failed that day on both ends. Matt failed on that. I had a Kane Hodder Friday the 13th mask I wanted him to sign, and he backed out because he was sick or something. He didn't make the yes. convention. We failed miserably. So oh, our trip man. to Cincinnati was not that panning sucks. out. Yeah. Just a few more real quickly here. Uh, my buddy Rick from Columbus watching The Omen and The Omen 2 as a young teenager was the scariest movie he ever saw. Lisa from Columbus, Exorcist, Psycho, Carrie, Silence of the Lambs, Poltergeist, too many to mention. Okay, uh, Connie, uh, my old English teacher who turned me on to Stephen King as a writer, The Birds was her let's, pick. Let's stop this. Have Have you seen the Stephen King show coming to Hulu? No, no. It's a whole connected universe. The trailer is mind blowing. It all takes place in Castle Rock, which is his Arkham town. Like you know, H.P. Lovecraft always used Arkham for everything. King uses Castle Rock, Maine everything right it's a show that has everything stephen king and we don't we haven't seen anything from it it's gonna be 10 episodes like stranger things just a combined stephen i king can't believe i'm show. saying this but jj abrams i'm it. in are you yeah are you telling me now i'm gonna have to get hulu i'm as gonna well? have we're to all gonna have to get hulu i'm gonna this have to get good. hulu man and then get rid of it after the show's over all right so with all these movies adam is there one movie that genuinely scared you so I know you're the horror buff, and you've been watching horror since like you were out of diapers. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, movies that mess with me. The most recent might be Paranormal Activity, the first one, when we went to see it. Because we saw an advanced screening, a bunch of us, here in Columbus. Yes. And I came home, I went to bed, and my, <laughs> my closet was open. And if you've seen Paranormal Activity, all kinds of bad stuff happens oh, wow. in the closet. I'm no. sorry, Roger. No. I'm sorry. No. Yes, no. I am so. I am so sorry. So, I was lying there, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this tonight. I got up and closed <laughs> my closet. Like that's, 
I'm just going to ignore the closet. That's the most recent Mine mess with me. was, there's, I mean, a lot of movies, like when I first get home after seeing them and it's a dark house, I'm like, eh. But one movie stuck with me, and that was the original Blair Witch. The reason, and I don't think this is giving anything away, the final shot. It, the final shot right? terrifying. With the, with the kid in the corner and you know what's happening, right? Terrifying. So when I was a, when I was a teenager and I would come home every day, every night, Pitch black. I lived in the middle of nowhere, and we. I came in through the garage, and to get into the garage, we had a keypad that was situated in the corner because it was a double garage, right, with a strip in the middle. So it wasn't like a. It was like a yeah, yeah. double sided. So I would have to stand in that corner and punch in my number, and for like a week, every week after watching that movie every time i would come home and i would i would dread literally dread going and standing in that corner <laughs> okay as a teenager pet cemetery the original there's a scene where the guy's getting out of bed the neighbor i think and the evil possessed boy slashes his achilles tendon with a straight razor yes i saw that young teenager for about 2 or 3 years after that movie there's about 12 inches of space next to my bed that I would just leap over when I got out of bed. <laughs> not even risking, not even risking my Achilles tendon getting. There's just a dead zone of space that I would That's not awesome. use. So for those of you that are That's great. that horror films make you nervous or scared, this is coming from a man who loves his horror films. And he admits sometimes they still freak him out a little bit. And, and that's, that's exciting. If they can rattle me, I'm so happy. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think you people are crazy. Let me just say that I know we've skipped off of Southbound, but I have to put this in there because it makes me happy. One of my favorite horror movies, other people may not agree, I just like it because of what it is, was In the Mouth of Madness. Um, homage to H.P. Lovecraft. I love that. The Clerk... In southbound of the gas station, she has a name badge that says Sutter. That is an homage into that film to Sutter Kane, who's the author to In the Mouth of Madness. Nice. I didn't know that. Nice. Nice. So anyway, that was just some of our friends, and they, they wanted to chime in and give their thoughts about the scariest movies they saw. Okay. So now it's time to assign new movies. Roger. I'm, yeah, I have Matt this week. Yep. And I will assign Matt Lady Snowblood, 1973. It's a new release. A new release for Roger? <laughs> I'm, I'm actually really, I know, I know you probably feel bad that I haven't liked the movies. I just don't it's like okay. old time um, Hollywood, but I am super pumped to see this because I know what it was the inspiration for. Yep. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Yep. So it's good. I'm glad you're watching this and, too. And the cool thing is, is I have it on Blu-ray, and uh, I have the Criterion Collection uh, print, which is gorgeous, and uh, it has tons of uh, extra features if you're so inclined to uh, get involved in that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Lady Snowblood. All right, Matt. It's your turn to assign. Oh, all right. All right. So I'm in a bit of a pickle. Uh, again, I have Adam and I, as I say, every time I have Adam, I don't have the luxury like Roger to go back to the twenties and <laughs> revisit movies I've loved, you know, but so 
I had originally thought of a movie for you, Adam, and then I remember you detest biopics because you said you hate biopics. So now I'm a little bit nervous. So I have a question for you. I'm almost positive you've seen this movie. If you've seen this movie, I'm sorry. You're probably getting the biopic. So have you seen The City of Lost Children? Yes. Ah, it's Janot. I've seen his Yeah, works. I know, but I just wanted to make sure before I've I did this to you. It's good. It's very good. Yeah, I have seen it as well, but, you know, I before I assign Adam a biopic, which is why I made the comment, he doesn't watch biopics because he doesn't like them, so those are about the only movies we can get to. But if nothing else, this has a mixture of decent music and an actor you really like in Steve Coogan. Um, so 24-hour party people. I've not seen it, and I love Steve Coogan. <laughs> yeah, so you may not like the biopic portion of it, uh, but at least you may get some laughs out of Coogan. Let me step back on the biopic issue because <laughs> oh, no, well, let no. me just, let me just, this may be like this. Goodfellas is technically a biopic, but it's not. It's a good right. movie that stands on its own. Yeah. Where Yankee Doodle Dandy and Ray and, you know, walk the line. Those are the ones I kind of consider biopics where they're not, they're not stretching their dramatic limbs. Right. So I'm looking forward to watching 24-Hour Party People. Well, I mean, this one's funny, right? I've yeah. seen it. It's It's got laughs in it. Um, and, you know, I, I like Coogan. So because you, you introduced me to Coogan, and then I kind of went out and devoured a lot of stuff, you know, after I saw, I think the first thing I, I mean, I've seen him in stuff, but the first time I really paid attention to him, I think, was in Hamlet, too. So, And that leads me to give my movie to Roger. Oh, what? Roger, you've earned a reprieve. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay. I had a movie for you. I was dead set on giving you this movie, too, because my horror picks for you have been dipping your toes in the water. You're about ready to put me head over heels, weren't you? No, no, no. no. Uh, Let's go waist deep with the next one. Oh, waist deep. (laughs) But on the way up to do the podcast, we were in the elevator, and you just looked so beaten. And you turned to me and said, I can't do another horror movie. I mean, it was sad. I, I felt bad for him. Like, what am I doing to Roger? He's sucking the life out of my soul with all these horror flicks. So, I'm calling an audible. Okay. You're not getting the movie I picked for you. And because Matt gave me 24-hour party people. Okay. I'm giving you a Steve Coogan movie. Yes. My very favorite Steve Coogan movie. Okay. And that is Hamlet 2. Matt mentioned it. Hamlet 2? Hamlet Hamlet 2. This is the sequel to Hamlet. (laughs) The sequel to Hamlet. I saw this movie at the Lennox, and I think I was one of two people in the theater when I saw it. Okay. It's from the writers, some of the writers of South Park, and it's (laughs) It's great. There's nothing like Hamlet 2. I can't compare it to anything. No. I will watch it. I'm going to see if you can like hold off tell me what you think until next week on this one. Because <laughs> this is a movie. I'll just say that. <laughs> it is a movie. So that's your assignment. Hamlet 2. It is available for rent. Okay. Um, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I looked real quick. It was on Netflix or Amazon, okay. but it is available for rent either through Amazon Pay Rental or iTunes. Well, I'm looking forward to watching it then, I think. You are. And this will open a whole new world for you. If you like Steve Coogan in this movie, it is Coogan-esque. Yes. 
There's no more Steve Coogan than there is in this movie. Have you movie. seen Steve Coogan movies? No. I've never heard of him until you mentioned his name. He's a British actor that's never made it over here, and he's been trying to make it over here. And he should make it over here because he is funny. Okay, well, I'm kind of excited. And that would give me some downtime before my next it's horror film is a musical comedy. It's as far in the opposite direction of horror as I could think <laughs> yes. of on a moment's notice. <laughs> Poor Adam took pity on me. <laughs> yes, last-minute reprieve. I just said, you look like such a broken man in the elevator. Because well, this week we saw Get Out and XX and Babadook last week. Yes. Even though I've liked most of these, I've I've kind of liked. Even though that double X, there's a couple of those that just wigged me out. I'm just going to be honest with you. But anyway. All right. So that wraps up movie homework. When we come back, our final wrap-ups and coming attractions, What is what we have to look forward to in the next week. And welcome back to the Film Coterie. And as we have our last segment, we're going to talk about our coming attractions and what to look forward to, not just this coming week, but the month of March. We have some pretty amazing movies coming up, right? Or at least we we, we, hope. Anti- we anticipate some really good movies in the month of March. So next week, we have Logan. That's the movie we're going to go see. Oh, so looking forward to this the movie. The buzz on this has been so good. Just to give you just a little bit of what I heard on the buzz was that not only are some people saying this is the the best the the best Wolverine movie ever, but might be the first superhero movie to be in the best picture of the year category. I can't have that in my head. That's too much. That's crazy. <laughs> that That's crazy. That's crazy talk. It surprised me because I don't know if you know this. Logan opened the Berlin Film Festival this year. That's a pretty prestigious that's, film yes, festival for a crazy. comic book movie to get in there. Yeah, no, it is. Um, but I'm, I mean, I every time I watch this trailer, I get super excited. I think of the professional, and that's what makes me excited. Yeah, I mean, I get so. I mean, l- I've been so excited about this that yeah, in the original trailers, it plays Johnny Cash's remake of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. And I have gone out and learned, I mean, after I heard it and saw how they were using it with Logan, I learned how to play the song. There's another song in that trailer that I heard on the radio today that Where Down We Go or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's in the new, I think, the new version of the trailer. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in the car today when I was driving around. I got to where I was going, and I stayed in the car and waited for the song to be over. <laughs> yeah. And I'd wow. never heard it before the wow. Logan trailer. So I, I am very stoked about Logan. Cannot wait. And it could be we could come in here and be just mad as hornets, epic crash fail, or we could be gaga over the moon. But that's next week. But we have a lot this whole month, right, Adam? This March has to be the most insane March for releases ever. I I pulled this list together just real quick. I mean, we're looking at some heavy hitters here. So in March, and feel free to jump in, we have Logan the first week. Uh, then there's Before I Fall. Roger, you might know more about this. This is a young adult book. Do any of your kids read this one? Not that I don't think they have. I, I saw it. I saw the, the banner for it, and I don't think any of my kids have read the books. Okay, so I didn't know where this is tracking at. Young adult's hard to predict. Yeah, I don't know. I know that his kids, uh, although they are young, high school, um, they read good books. So okay. I don't know where Before I Fall I know nothing about this. Yeah. yeah. So then we have Kong, Skull Island. 
All right. I've already told you my opinion. I'm, I am not super pumped to see this Kong movie for the simple fact that from the previews, at least in the apocalypse now shot Kong is so big. I have no idea how there's any vegetation left on that (laughs) Island. I, I got man's got to eat. Hey, Man I, has got to eat. I'm telling you, I'm pumped about it. I I think it looks it could be glorious. And it's in the Godzilla universe now. The that's American why I'm Godzilla. Pu- that's why I'm pumped about it. No, I, I'm super excited about that. It's just you know. But that Kong that size is like three climbs, and he's at the top of the Empire State Building. We looked in the Peter Jackson Kong. He was 30 feet tall. Because he was fighting T-Rexes. Keep in mind, he was about the same size as a T-Rex. Yeah. Not in this movie. No. He would step on T-Rexes. He's ten times the size he was, at least. Yeah, he's like 300 feet tall. I mean, a regular-sized male gorilla eats 40 pounds of vegetation a day. Like, a normal-sized gorilla is probably not as big as the small pinky-toe nail on this Kong. (laughs) Matt, so, now come on, Matt. Don't let realism get in the way of what could be a good movie. I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind if you make Kong this, this is, big. This is his man of science's mind working against him. But the whole time he's watching, he's going to be know. like, "All that vegetation shouldn't be there. He should have eaten all that." I don't mind if you make him absurdly big. Just make sure you can feed it's, something it's, it's this fa- absurdly big. No, it's fantastical. We don't need the details. You don't he's need reality. Pick his teeth with a palm tree. Exactly. <laughs> So, next up, we have Raw. Now, there's no chance we're seeing Raw in March because there's too many other movies coming out. I love this movie from Fantastic Fest. It's a horror movie about cannibalism. So, <laughs> Roger's already rolling his eyes. If he could throw something at me, he would. I'm telling you, this is a good one. It's coming out in March. If you've seen all the rest of this stuff, all the blockbusters, then I'm sure Raw we'll have a review on the website from Adam. Yeah, I'll, I'll give some <laughs> love to this movie. I'm glad it's coming out stateside. So to balance out Raw, then we have Beauty and the Beast for Roger. And Which look- I, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, w- with some trepidation, like I'm I'm going to go into it, hoping it's good. You know, but because I j- just because I love the source material, and I covered that last week in the podcast. So I don't. I'm not excited, but I don't like movies about Stockholm syndrome. So, all right, we'll just leave that one untouched. <laughs> Uh, then we have T2, Train Spotting 2. That's the official title now. They've been playing around with titles. It was Train Spotting 2 and then T2. So now it's T2, Train Spotting 2. Yeah. <laughs> Just call it Train Spotting 2. Yeah. You've seen Train Spotting, Roger? Yeah, I think I have. I, I, it, it's, it, 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 it seems unremarkable to me, but I think Ewan I've seen McGregor it. Ewan McGregor, heroin? Oh, yeah. They're, they're Babies in, crawling on ceilings? Yeah, I've seen it. I, yeah. I don't know if I've seen the whole thing, but I've seen enough of it. I'm excited to see this. The Belko experiment. We saw a trailer for this tonight. We've been seeing the trailer for yes. this the past couple of weeks. We've gone to the movies. I'm really pumped to see. I'm really pumped to see this. See, I'm not at all. This, I, I, even the trailer tonight, I was like, really? This movie's not doing, not hitting any bells for me at all. <laughs> James Gunn. Th- this is like. This is seems like a bad version of like Die Hard or something. I don't know. I, it, maybe it'll be good. I'll go in with. I'll try to go in with an it's open mind. Written by James Gunn, the writer director of Guardians of the Galaxy. He got up in the middle of the night. The story goes and just wrote this whole thing, at least in a rough draft, and then cleaned it up. Maybe it'll he be had a- this idea. It's 
closest to I'd say Battle Royale Japanese. That's movie. what I was gonna say. Yeah. It reminds me of Battle Royale. But yeah, you're trapped in this environment, and it, you're gonna it's gonna be winner take all. You know who survives to the end. Well, it's a social experiment. Either you kill three or we kill six. Yeah, and it's mob justice and mob rule. When it, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hide away that it's an experiment. Hence the name, the Belko Experiment. I have yeah. buttons, and this movie presses all of them. <laughs> yes. When I see this trailer, I'm like, my butt's in that seat for that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm with Adam and, on this. And I am. This there. is going to be an interesting Thursday night if we go see this because I'm going into this movie thinking I'm, there's not one thing I'm going to like in this movie. It's not going to. The way voting goes on Thursday night, I can't see this winning. I'm going to catch it on the weekend, but I don't see this beating anything else with the way we vote. Yeah, uh, Power Rangers. That might matter to some people. <laughs> the most, the, the, the most overdone trailer. I've been seeing the trailer for Power Rangers for six months now. And thank life, God, life. How many times have we seen that God, trailer? Thank God it's coming out, <laughs> so we don't have to see that trailer in the theaters anymore. I just hope with Power Rangers, uh, what's it going to be rated? PG. PG thirteen. Ah, there's see, monsters. I want to take my kid. I know there's monsters, but Power Rangers had monsters. It was like a Saturday morning cartoon. Um. We've allowed my my son to watch some of the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, he has become obsessed, and with the PG thirteen rating, I'm kind of bummed he's not gonna be able to see this till he's older. So, and then we have the latest Twenty One Jump Street knockoff, Chips. Nope. No. 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 <laughs> Nose all around. Same thing for Baywatch, right? No. Yeah. No. They've no. all literally just look like they've carbon copied. 21 jump street yeah. you have the captain they're all trying him. to cash in on the sa- on, on what was a what was a hit years ago though they're so slow to catch up i'm surprised there wasn't anything sooner but this is all hitting late and then we have life another trailer that we've seen again what, what's life remind me again i'm not uh, <laughs> are, are you Which no you're serious no i'm serious what, I'm, I'm oh you on. saw the preview tonight Which ryan one? reynolds they're in on the spaceship space. They oh found God, life yes. from Mars oh, or yes, whatever. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I feel it's late, and I had a mind cloud. For I a feel second. that I have seen this movie before a dozen times. It's the same. Yeah. I, it bumped up. It was set for Memorial Day, and then they <laughs> moved it here to oh, die. Yeah. Because the month it's in is nuts, and there's no audience yeah. for life in this month that aren't seeing other things. I think they moved out of May, obviously, because in May you have Guardians of the Galaxy. And I say this, and I'm hopeful for it, Alien Covenant. I, I well, want that to be good. I'm going to go see Alien Covenant, regardless of whatever buzz is, because I have seen every Alien movie. I, I just Yeah, me too. This is redemption for Prometheus, hopefully. Yeah, I, I mean, I own every Alien movie, so. And then what, we have what else? Ghost in the Shell, and I, I love the design in the trailers for this movie. I like the anime already. Yeah. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. Have I you really seen the anime, it. Roger? No, no, no. Oh, wow. Nice. Actually, don't see it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be an interesting review with us having seen it and then you not knowing <coughs> the source material. No, I just saw the trailers and like, that looks cool. I could dig that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. I think they've done a, at least in the trailers, they've done a good job of capturing that world. And here's the oddball in the month. The zookeeper's wife. This is a very serious, very dramatic film that I'd expect more in award season than I would crowded among all these blockbusters. Yeah, and I'm trying to place it. I'm drawing another mind blank. It's the Polish zoo where the zookeeper's wife is hiding the Jewish refugees. Yes, yeah. It's a very heavy, dramatic film yeah. placed on a best-selling book. 
Yeah, this is. I mean, against the rest of these movies. Why is this movie coming out in March? Counter programming is what they usually say. There's an audience for this. Maybe an older audience that isn't getting sucked into all the blockbusters. Yeah. Wow. But it's dangerous to release an award movie early. People always think that's what hurt Hunt for the Wilder People. If it had come out in November and been fresh, it may have gotten some nominations. Yeah, I can see that. Hmm. Interesting. And the cartoon for the month is Boss Baby. I I got to tell you, um, I like the preview to this. I'm not even a huge Alec Baldwin fan because he does the voice of the baby, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I have se- I have a small child. I've seen the pre the trailer for this numerous times. Um, it is. I think there is a glorious part of this. I think, and it's a, like a callback in the trailer, right? So, um, have you guys seen Glengarry Glen Glenn Ross? Yes. All right. So you know Alec Baldwin's character. He's like, put down that coffee. Coffee's for closers. In this trailer, some kid picks up a cookie and he's like, put down that cookie. Cookies for closers. Your son's going to be yelling at that at you if you see this with him. And I would <laughs> smile from <laughs> ear to ear. Oh. So for that month, there's three movies I'm hoping are great. I want Logan, Train Spotting 2, and Ghost in the Shell. I want all these movies to be great. And I just hope Kong is okay. If that happens, <laughs> it'll be a great month. I'm in heaven. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So is that going to wrap it up for us? Where can people find us if they are looking for ways to connect to the film coterie? Well, you can find us at our website at www.filmcoterie.com. We're on Facebook, and we're trying to be active on there. Like I said, feel free to reach out to us. Roger does these polls. Jump in on there. And if you just want someone to assign horror movies to you, I, I offer that service at no charge. There you go. And we are also on Twitter. At Film Coterie. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Film Coterie. We'll see you guys next time.